Hello and welcome to episode 122 of the Right for Life podcast. I'm Ian Broom. And I'm Donna Sorensen. I'm coming to you from the north of England, Sheffield. And I'm coming to you from Copenhagen, coolest capital in Scandinavia. And, um, <laughs> and um, is that true? I don't know. It is, well, apparently the best city to live in in the world, according to Monaco. According to Monaco? Monaco. You would think they would disagree. Monaco, Monaco. <laughs> yeah, good one. Um, it's been unbelievable. Two, I say three weeks, actually, of pushing 30 degrees and blue sky sunshine. That is not weather that's conducive to writing. No, it's very difficult to write in, uh, in, in, in hot conditions. It is. Although it does mean that you're out and about more and kind of seeing all sorts of, all sorts of madness, if there is madness to be seen. That's true. And I suppose also unless you, you live in the Southern Hemisphere. <laughs> yeah, then you've just got to get down and write. Just got to get on with it. Yeah, indeed. So... Uh, today we are going to be talking about uh, just just a mixture of stuff. We haven't really got a, a bulky topic, but I'm hoping that one comes out of whatever we uh, start talking about. Um, we, we are not around next week. We are going on holiday. Um, cool. And it's not very often podcast hosts say we're going on holiday and they are actually going on holiday together, but we are. Um, we are indeed. And, uh, and it's going to be marvellous. So there won't be an episode next week. Um, and this is, you know what it's like when you're packing and you're trying to organise children and things to go on holiday. You don't really pay much attention to anything else. Um, and also finishing everything off at work. I saw a, a, some kind of infographic recently about holiday stress that, and how it works before you go on holiday. The week before your holidays are the worst weeks at your job, always. Because you just you do so much more than you normally do in order to try to break off. Yes, that's probably true, and and that's a good place to start with work because I wanted to start by mentioning a couple of services or um, I don't know pieces of software apps you might even call them that um, I've been using or I have found. One of them I haven't quite started using yet. I've only kind of messed around with it, but they've both been uh, both really interesting, both really good, and I think that um, they might be useful for other people. It's difficult to know whether they'd be useful for creative writers or not, but I shall say it and we shall see. Do it. So I'm, I'm as, as I think a lot of people will know who've listened over the last six months or however long it's been, I am, I am a business owner now. I went freelance at the beginning of April and um, one of my, my primary clients um, is uh, um, an educational company called Cornerstones and um, it's been great working for them. And, um, and yeah, so I, I am a freelance writer um, so as well as all the creative writing stuff that we talk about on this show, I am, you know, my day job, the stuff that puts food on the table is as a, a, a copywriter, as, as are you, Donna. I am. Um, and, but it's interesting because I've, I've had, you know, several years now of being a person who uses the internet, you know, who's quite a heavy internet user, quite, um, I'm not a digital native. I think that's the people who are growing up now. What's the other one? I'm not, I'm not a, I'm not a, I don't know what I am, but I'm an, let's say I'm an early adopter. Let's be one of those. And so I, you know, I, I, I kind of, I keep up to date with the new, new things that are on, on the internet, new technology, that kind of thing. Um, 
and and I think that's enabled me to be more than a freelance writer. And it's perhaps just a little tip here at the start of the show to to remind people that um, whilst I strongly recommend you being very good at something like copywriting or maybe it's proofreading, um, it's good to have more strings to your bow, and um, and. And and so all of this kind of being on the internet and learning all this stuff just in my own time has been paying dividends recently because I've been making screencasts, I've been editing audio, editing video, and this is all stuff that I've done in my spare time or learned how to do in my spare time that I'm now in a position to kind of get paid for. So that's that's just my first top tip, kind of try and make sure you've got more strings in the old bow. Um but these services, so yes, I've been doing these uh, screencasts and videos and things, educational videos and writing the scripts and that, that type of thing. Um, and I've been doing the voiceovers for them. But um, there was a voiceover that I needed to do for a video and I was supposed to be, and, and, don't, and don't laugh, but I was supposed to be a Native American. And, um, <laughs> I'm sorry, that's impossible to hold that laugh in. A little one just popped out. Well, the, the kind of northeast Derbyshire... England accent is quite similar to I think specifically the Cherokee tribe and um, and so I was able to do this flawlessly of course none of that's true I just sounded like me because most of these videos have been instructional I've been saying things like um, if you if you want to create text then click left or something like that so I've been doing my kind of I've been doing my instructional educational voice where sometimes you might go up in the middle and then when you're completing the instruction you can just say so and then perhaps move on to the next page. That's not how this particular character needed to talk in this script. So I did a little bit of searching online and I found I found a service called Voice Bunny. Have you heard of Voice Bunny? I have not heard of this. It's a mechanical rabbit that does that's not true. It's not a mechanical. What's the Native American comment true? Well, that, still- yes, that's true. That's that's integral to the story. <laughs> I just thought you'd just thrown it in there. That's that's mad. Okay, well, the, yeah. So how did the, how did the mechanical bunny help you? Well, we're definitely in trouble when uh, I'm being sarcastic to the point where you don't actually know whether what I'm saying is true or not. I'll come off it. That's not the first time you've heard that, though, is it? No, it's not. That's true. <laughs> um, so back to uh, back to the mechanical bunny. So so what is true is that um, my voice, my voiceover voice, wasn't quite right for this Native American speech that I was going to be doing. Chief Seattle's speech. And, um, and, and, and Voice Bunny is fantastic. And, and basically, you can find voice actors in sort of three ways. There is one which they call Speedy, and that where you just, you say, I, here's my script, I want someone who is, for example, um, 40 to 60, or something like that, 40 to 60, let's say, um, male um, uh, American, and um, and and they say no problem. They take your script, and a few hours later, you get a recording back. That's one way of doing it. Or you can search their database, and you can put those search terms in, and you can get a list of results, and you can listen to some samples, and um, and and you choose someone, and then you go through the same process, and supposedly it takes longer to come back, and uh, and and what have you. And then there's a third way, which I can't remember. <laughs> but basically, we, we, we use this service. I was, you know, I sort of found someone who sounded... Now, I, I, I have absolutely... There was no picture, there was no profile, so I have no idea if they were 
genuinely a Native American, but for me, it was far closer than me speaking. Um, this is amazing. People could be actually <clears throat> putting in what they want, listening to samples, and then practicing until they can do it themselves, and then getting money, get being paid to be Chief Seattle. Well, I didn't put my script online, so no, I didn't know the, the script goes to the 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 voice bunny people, the people that run the company. So there are people, there are, there are members of staff who find someone appropriate for you. Yeah, but what I mean is, you could say you're appropriate because you can do a really good um, Native American accent, and people wouldn't know whether you were or not. They're not going to see you, are they? Oh no, they do because she provides samples. Oh, okay. I suppose in that specific case, they don't know if you are actually Native American or no. Or, 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 or if someone wanted someone Scottish, for example, yeah. and I put myself on there and says, "Oh, I, I, I'm, uh, <laughs> I'm very Scottish. I, uh, there's me in our shoes, yeah, shoes, Apologies to anyone who listens from Scotland. Um, Why? Why do you have to apologise? That was a Scottish person that said that. Was it? <laughs> we got off voice, buddy. So the way, so 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 just to finish my experience before I come on to why it's useful. So basically, you can hear samples, and I we, we went through this. So I I I found someone who I thought was appropriate. I quite like this sample, and I put the script on. I gave some instructions. I said what it was going to be used for, and I thought, well, you know, I'll see what happens. Give it a couple of days. Within seven hours, we got got back this absolutely perfect audio, and um and this sort of brilliant reading. It was it was brilliant. It was kind of it was it was yeah, it was perfect. I was absolutely delighted. I thought it was I was astonished that it kind of that the system worked, if that makes sense. That there, there, there was someone who was presumably a professional voiceover artist who had who is just sort of sat there sort of getting this work as it comes in, recording in their own studio, sending the audio file off, and then kind of the system, the voice money system doing the rest. It was perfect. And so now I have, um, instead of me saying, let me try and think of a line, instead of me saying, my, um, my words are like the stars that never end. That's not, that's not one of the lines. It's something like that. So instead of me doing that in an instructional kind of way, it's kind of this gravelly Native American voice going, my words are like the, they're like the stars that never end. It's brilliant. Amazing. You didn't think I was a Native American for a second then, did you? I got chills down my spine. It was so good. Do you- <laughs> I got chills as well. Do you know what, though? This is an, this is a fantastic resource. I can totally see that. But I also think if you're a freelance writer, why not just log yourself, like, or not log yourself, but register yourself as, as someone who can provide boy- accent from where you come from and just do a little bit of that on the side too. But you can, but if you listen to some of the... Because that's the first thing I thought, you know, let's put myself on there. I mean, you know, I'm a freelancer. This could be a way for me to earn money. And, uh, and I listened to um, some of the um, uh, English accents for male... I don't know, I'm, I'm making this again, but like 20 to 35-year-olds. And it was an awful lot of... Would you like to buy windows from me? And um, <laughs> that kind of thing. Um, so it, I, I don't know if they do want someone from my neck of the woods who says up like that. Um, of course, but that's, that's the whole point, isn't it? You have to register yourself and says, if anyone wants someone who says tongue instead of tongue, I'm here. Absolutely. Some, someone is doing somewhere some kind of, of recording that needs that. Yeah, well, I mean, this is this is, yeah, That's this great, is perfect. This is what it's for. I mean, it, it's, it takes a certain, 
it's quite difficult to do the to to do kind of voiceovers, and I am by no means a professional. I just make it up as I go along, um, and uh, you, know, you know, just I happen to be the nearest person to to do it when I'm doing the videos. Um, but yeah, this is a, so this is a, a potential. Yes, you're right, a potential way of uh, writers or anyone that's good at performing to make a little cash on the side, I suppose. But also, um, it's there are some fantastic um, uh, audiobook readers on there. So if you've got a book and you want uh, to have it recorded by someone else, a professional, then you can do so. I mean, I think it starts to get a bit pricey because obviously you're going to have several hours worth of, of voiceover. But um, but you could do it if you wanted to, or you could just do an extract. It might be that you want to send it off to, I don't know, maybe you want to um, get into some audiobook anthology and you want you don't want to perform it yourself, so you want someone else who knows what they're doing to do it. Perfect for that kind of thing. Um, so, yeah, I would right. check it out. I, it was, I, I never heard of it before, and I stumbled across it and, um, and thought, that can't work. It just seems crazy that I could just send off a script and then get it back a few hours later in, in, an, in an audio format. But that's exactly how it worked. Fantastic. What else have you been using to do your bits and bobs recently? Well, I haven't used it yet, but I found it today, and I thought I'd mention it, but it's uh, uh, an app called uh, Videoscribe. Um, and it's it's a bit like a presentation tool, but they they call it a whiteboard tool. But they mean it kind of it's you, you, it, you it's got like a library of um, images and text and various elements. And if you put them, if you kind of assemble um, um, uh, presentation, isn't quite the right word, but you know, like an, an like you know how companies. Um, advertise their products these days with like an, some sort of instructional video with cute animation and that kind of thing you can basically build your own um, with uh, Videoscribe and it's incredibly easy to do and the library is vast so for example I wanted I, I'm, I've, I'm, do, I'm writing a, a short presentation on, on Darwin and uh, evolution and um, I sort of just downloaded the free trial and had a go with that and I just typed into the search Darwin just thinking they're never going to have anything related to that and there's a little cartoon picture of Darwin with a little monkey holding <laughs> holding a monkey's hand <laughs> and, well, that's um, going to enhance any presentation absolutely so it's kind of if you want to explain a product if you want to dare I say explain what a book's about or create some kind of quirky book trailer it seems to be really really good for that kind of thing or maybe you want to advertise an ebook or your website anything i it just it's extremely easy to put together and um and really nice and i, I i'm not sure if i've actually mentioned this but basically all of these artifacts get drawn so you, you 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 see them being drawn so the little picture of darwin and his monkey is actually kind of drawn and then it kind of it moves to the next image or the next text and that gets drawn out and it looks really smart and What's uh, it called? it's called a uh, video scribe Videoscribe. Yeah. Oh, sounds cool. And, um, and, I like uh, yeah. the idea of using that for a book trailer. Book trailer, or if you wanted to do tutorials. So, I, you know, I've been thinking for ages, maybe I should do some video tutorials about plain English, partly to try and, um, you know, just to post them on YouTube, really, partly to kind of uh, back up what I say when I'm trying to get freelance work. You know, I'm, I'm, a free, I'm a plain English specialist. You will know because look at these videos I've made. Um, but it, and this would be perfect for doing that type of thing. Um, so yeah, it's got lots, lots of possibilities. And once again, I was kind of thought, well, that can't work. But then it seems to be the case that it does. You have to pay for it. I think it's um, I don't know, ten pounds or something a month, something like that. Okay. 
so that was those things. How did your um, how did your uh, poetry on the pond go? Oh, it was fantastic. I um, I mentioned last week that I was en route to Sweden to read a, a poem that I'd written for a wedding. And I'm just trying to think about whether... Oh, I have read Outdoors before, actually. But this was just... It was just such an incredible place. It was on a lake in the forest, on a rock next to the lake. It was just wonderful in the sunshine with eagles flying overhead. I'm not even joking. And we even saw moose. Blimey. Yeah. So um, so it went really well. But, um, but yes... I got a little video of it, which is really good because I've, I've, I'm trying to say now that every any time I read, I need to, if somebody could just be doing a little film of it, that would be great because I just no time otherwise to get proper readings, you know. Um, so yeah, so it's good. Thanks for asking. Marvelous. And have you listened to my pilot yet? Yet. I have. <laughs> it was amazing that I had the chance to listen to it. Oh. And it was and it was also very very good. Well, thank you. Um, I listened to it a few days ago and I the thing is you had affected me a little bit about the way I listened to it which I should say this is why I bring it up now because you know you've given me your feedback but I wanted to know my question for you because I think a lot of writers get put in this position how is it how did you find it because we've, we've never given each other feedback on our work before. We, I wrote my novel entirely independent from you. You wrote your, all your poetry independent from me. I don't recall us ever having a conversation where we specifically gave each other feedback on each other's writing. So yeah. how, how, how was that giving feedback to someone who you know quite well? Yeah, I, I think it, yeah. Well, very well. <laughs> I'm trying to think if I've given anybody feedback on their writing that I don't know very well. Uh, good point. But because the thing is, is that I probably would only be asked by people I know quite well, and I do find it quite difficult. What about when you were working at the Irish Writers' Centre? Were you not in a position then where you were giving people feedback who you who you uh, didn't know no. well? No, no. I was working mainly in a logistical capacity. Uh, driving Dri- driving a lorry. <laughs> I wish. That'd be ace. My grandma drove a lorry. I drove a lorry. Yeah. In the war? Yeah, but... Not in the war. You can't top my grandma driving a lorry story in the war. I know that you drove a lorry. I do do mention it once every ten episodes. (laughs) I think you do, yeah. Um, But no, I wasn't giving feedback. And anyway, I think at that stage of my writing, I didn't really feel like I could anyway. And it's very interesting giving feedback to somebody you know. You are very uh, restrained with what you say, obviously, more so than you might be with other people, regardless of, of of what it is you are giving feedback on, because you just you have in mind that you, you yeah, obviously that you know them. But you know, doesn't because I, I I too sometimes find it more difficult. I find it difficult to give people I know really well feedback if I think there is something seriously wrong with the piece of work if it's just a general piece of feedback where you kind of say yeah this is this is mostly great um but maybe you should do this maybe you should do that this bit here needs a bit of work i'm totally fine with that it's really easy but there has been the, the, the odd occasion where someone has asked for feedback and i've felt like um something serious was wrong you know to the point where you kind of think gosh what am i actually going to say here because this is throw uh, it in the bin and do something else you would think that but you would think that it would be easier to say that to someone who you know because <gasps> oh no, no i know 
I wouldn't. That is, that's impossible. I think that would be much easier to say that to somebody that you didn't know. Well, you know, you'd sort of push them and run off. <laughs> yeah. Slap them and run. No, I, I totally get where you're coming from. And I've just remembered that somebody once, um, and I won't mention names, it was a long time ago, sent me a, a long children's book um, that their other half had written and asked me to read Uh-oh, it. Uh-oh, even worse. What? When it's their partner and it's not you know can you read this because my husband or wife or girlfriend or boyfriend that is terrible it is terrible and this this picture book it was sorry it wasn't a picture book it was it was a novel that reminded me a lot of kind of Enid Blyton stories in the 50s or whatever they were written it was very much that style it was it was potentially one of the worst things I'd ever read so much so that I, I I I just didn't know where to start I was like this is just you know but I didn't feel like I could say just forget it. Don't bother sending that out to anybody because that's, you know, they've written it because they love writing. What they'd asked me was whether it sounded really outdated. And I did give them pointers on things that where I felt that the, the tone and the children wouldn't have spoken like that and all this kind of stuff, you know. But really, I couldn't, I couldn't say this is just seriously use this in the lavatory instead of <laughs> sending it on. <laughs> um, luckily, I didn't have that problem with your pilot. It was good. Thanks, Donna. So my next question... <laughs> but, 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 there were, but I felt that there were small things that I could say that this maybe I would tweak. And what I said to start with was that you influenced me because before I'd even listened to it, you said it was too long and you were going to cut it down. And that, if you hadn't told me that, I'm not sure how I would have reacted to it because it was, it was I felt it was long. But then I felt easy. It was easy just to say this is too long because you'd already said it yourself. Part of the reason that I think it was too long. So for those that, um, for those of you listening who haven't, don't know what the heck we're talking about. I've got this idea for a, a fictional podcast, and um, and it's kind of an episodic thing, probably weekly. Um, and um, when we say it's too long, it's currently about well, it's about thirty minutes plus about two minutes of music. Um, so it's still quite short, but thirteen or three zero. Thirteen plus a couple of minutes of music. I think it's about fifteen minutes in total. That and is so interesting because that when you sent me the file, I couldn't see how long it was. So I had no judgment on how long it was at all, and that's really interesting that you told me that now. Well, that's probably a good thing because you know you don't you know you kind of don't uh, you, it, it's. Uh, your perception of its length is about your intuition, isn't it? It's less about well, I can see a number. But part of the reason that I think I was doing that, because in the back of my head, as I've discussed before on the podcast, I've been planning to use Patreon with it. So I'm thinking of the podcast will be free, but I've been thinking of asking people to support it through providing extra stuff that people would pay for to try and, you know, make it something that's part of my, I guess, part of my freelance business, you know, writing fiction to actually earn some money, God forbid. Um, and so I think I was thinking, well, it needs to be at least 15 minutes, sort of minimum, just because, you know, if you're asking people to pay for something, then, you know, you need to have it substantial in some, you know, it needs to be, it needs to be at least this long. But that's not the way it works sometimes, is it? It's more, it's more about what's right for the piece of work, I guess. Absolutely. And that you adjust how much people are paying for, I guess, based on what it is, because it's easy, easier to give them more of a shorter thing um 
so that they want more rather than something which isn't the right format. So if you if you forget me for a second, forget that it's me that's asking you this, would you, as a reader or a listener or a watcher of YouTube videos, would you be prepared to support someone, forgetting me, would you be prepared to support someone who's uh, using something like Patreon where they where they make something for free? So that's the important point. So this, in my case, this podcast is free. It could be YouTube videos, that's free. Would you be prepared to say, I love what you're doing and I'm willing to give you... I don't know, $3 or £3 a month um, to support you and I will happily get something back in return that's of a similar sort of value. Is that something that is in your mindset to do? I would say yes. Um, And I'm an incredibly stingy person. So I would say that if it was a really, really small amount, then it would be something I would consider. And if I felt that it was more, that I wasn't, tied into something like long term but more I was paying for maybe like a series of something if I listened to the first thing or a a teaser for it and I really really liked it or I knew something that the writer had done before that I paid for a certain number of episodes I think that that's that's more how I would feel comfortable about paying for something like that if you were paying for the product itself product itself rather than paying for kind of supporting the artist yes interesting yeah. And do you do you currently support anyone else in that way? Not not through Patreon necessarily, but do you do you sort of do you subscribe to any websites or any newsletters or anything like that? Does the Amnesty International magazine count because I've got a subscription? I think that they're fairly well sorted for funds generally. Oh, anyway. don't say that. Oh, I'm really? not saying they can always do with more. It's a wonderful. Are they rolling it's a wonderful, in money? It's a wonderful cause. <laughs> don't get me wrong but it's I'm not I'm not supporting anybody but then I I don't have time to be out there discovering amazingly creative people producing things in in non-traditional formats Mm. so it would have to be something that was put in my face yeah well put your stuff in my face and I might pay for it Yeah, I don't know. I honestly don't know what to uh, say to that. Apart from, I think that's very sensible. It is absolutely. Um, I uh, I don't know. I I it's 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 one of those things that's incredibly difficult to know. I think for all um, creative people, you you kind of you want to do these things, but you kind of I guess it's why the Kickstarter model is so appealing because all you need is an idea, and then you you don't if you don't make the money, then you go okay. Well, there was no demand for that, so. Um, let's not make it. This is this is Patreon is different. You kind of have to start making the thing and then hope that people get on board and support it. Um, but it's difficult because you never quite know. I mean, I guess it's the same with writing a novel or writing a poetry collection. You don't know if anyone's gonna if it's gonna sell. You don't know if it's gonna be any any good. You don't know if you're gonna be happy with it personally. You kind of, in some ways, every time we commit pen to paper as writers, it's it's kind of. Um, a leap of faith in in some way that you're going to get to the end and it's going to be something that a you're proud of and and b hopefully a, a sellable product. It is, but there's I think there's a big difference when it's something that only you are seeing until somebody else has has said this can make money and put it into the public domain. Because if you're actually putting something in the public domain from the offset, 
from the outset rather I can't even speak anymore um, then it's then it's very different because you your success or your failure is public much more public whereas as a writer in the traditional sense I guess people would know if you didn't sell millions of copies of your book but you know you've already someone's already decided that this is going to potentially make them a little bit of money that's an interesting way of thinking about it as well actually that using these kinds of uh this this kind of this type of um well crowdfunding for kickstarter and i don't really know well patronage type thing um uh in, with patreon i suppose is, is that does is do you does put in that kind of some figure on it of some kind does that mean if you don't reach that figure then you should consider the project a failure you perhaps wouldn't if you hadn't have put that price on it then you wouldn't necessarily think it's a failure it kind of doesn't really there's, it's, I guess it's one less giant statistic to n- not have to worry about. It's kind of you just do it for the creative side of things, mm. and um, and uh, there is less of a concept of failure. But if you say, in the case of Kickstarter, I want to write this book, but I need twenty grand. Would you will you will you pay for it and support me? And you don't get that, then that's quite a a firm line in the sand that says you know there's quite su- you either succeed or you fail, don't you, to get that money? Yeah, yeah, um, absolutely. I su- it's, yeah. I suppose with the Patreon way of doing things is because it's an incremental thing. You might launch a product, a, a, a product or a project, and you know maybe you get a couple of people sign up in the first week, and then maybe six months later, it, it takes you that long to get anyone else to sign up. But there's a sudden flurry, and suddenly you're making some money. I don't know, but it, this is all. It's a brave new world. It is a brave new world, but it's one I. I I, I think I'd quite like to enter, but it's just, uh, yeah, I just don't know whether people would want it or not. But then you never do, do you? When you know, I didn't know whether people would like the novel or not when I started writing that. None of us know whether people are going to want what we, uh, what we, what we enjoy and what we think is creative. Um, I don't know. Anyway, put, do this, it. this is the, the part again. This leads on. This is not in, entirely meant to be about me. Ideally. Um, <laughs> But our listeners' question this week is along along these lines. Our listeners' question. Oh, now that was I liked that one. That was there was a lot of enthusiasm. That was how it in always there. is. It's just I sometimes don't hit the notes, but that's how it always is in my head. Well, finally, that's what it was like out loud. <laughs> now, this week's listeners' question is actually a shameful question, isn't it? It is. I'm not sure how much of the email that or or that the, um, this person wants us to read out. I couldn't quite work out whether it was supposed to be an anonymous listener's question or not. So maybe we won't read out the name. Um, well, but it's not really shameful, so it's fine. Well, no, I don't think it's shameful in in the least. But you know, I, I don't know. What do you think? Do you think it was intended? Okay. Let's just let's just say anonymous. Okay, but this person has provided the listener's question before. We'll say that. So if you really want to, you can go back and find uh, and do sort of powers of deduction try and work out who it is um <clears throat> it's quite a long question with lots of um well not really a question but various sentences before the question but it's about that topic that we keep coming back to um as as kind of writers who are not in the best sellers list um in your case a poet which is n- never lucrative wonderful though your poems are um and and you know it's something we talked about a lot. It's uh, it's the old money issue, um, and and it's actually something that I've talked about a lot before on on the podcast. And my opinions have fluctuated on this. I have a fairly fixed 
kind of notion, but I have, you know, my my thoughts on it have kind of meandered and changed slightly over the years. But it's it's the notion of, I think I'm going to try and paraphrase, but it's the idea of what's, um, I guess, why why writers write, and the fact that some people treat writing as as a, a business effectively. Um, so shall I, I I just copied and pasted into my notes a particular paragraph oh, so I'll read this out and then you can tell me what you think so this is the build up to this is is talking about finding it difficult to um, to kind of understand that mentality of, of being a writer a creative writer almost ruthlessly um, in pursuit of cash um, so here we go I don't begrudge them their success I'm genuinely happy for them but their motivation makes me feel their books have less legitimacy perhaps in content why do I feel writing is so precious I don't think I would have such prejudices in other endeavours so there is this is the shameful thing that you mentioned is the the whole thing is kind of feeling this way but not really feeling like you know feeling bad for feeling this way which is how I felt a lot of the time what are your what are your thoughts Donna? My thoughts are, actually, I was just trying to remember who it was. I knew somebody who'd written a textbook for schools that was on a curriculum. And that had that was just purely a money thing. And it kept them going for ages. And they were able to write other things as well. And I'd always thought about it like that people who had written books for money were writing a certain type of book. They weren't necessarily writing novels or fiction, but they were writing... I don't know, non-fiction books, for example, or education, you know, those kind of books. So I guess it is a difficult one. I know where this list, this listener with a listener's question is coming from, for sure. Um, but I guess ultimately everybody wants to make money. What do you think, Ian? Well, I, I agree with that. I think it's, I think it's, I think I've been in the past overly precious and 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 naive probably um to to kind of think that everyone should be writing for their art and that's the only way of doing it and if you and and, and more and what's more if you if you don't do that then then um then I've got a problem with it <laughs> um so 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 I think that that there is that yeah. but what but what's what is incredibly difficult and it's almost impossible for me to say this without sounding like a stuck up um idiot who who is thinks he's better than everyone <laughs> i don't think that but i'm aware that what i'm about to say is likely to make me sound like that but ultimately <laughs> but i think that i think that this is what the listener's question is getting at really is that I, I find it difficult to get my head around the idea that that I am um, that, that that for instance that someone like me so let's not say me but someone like me who's written a literary novel who has kind of done years of research years of um, years of uh, training you know practical training and learning um, and editing and that kind of thing um that i that that i struggle to to make ends meet almost entirely because of the type of book i've written 
whilst at the same time something no that's too easy to say 50 shades of gray but 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 that's some something that can be kind of knocked off in a few weeks admittedly knocked off in a few weeks that's not me being critical that's a lot of authors admit that they they can just write a, some thriller or some crime novel or an erotic novel or just something that's really pacey and just knock it off and, and it be kind of published and and sell really well and do really well and part of the reason that it sells really well and does really well is because there is an audience for that kind of thing and and also because the person who's doing it is extremely business savvy and puts lots of time and effort into marketing it and researching how to market their specific genre and this is the bit where i where where i have to where i change and i fluctuated because because I, I i don't have any right to be angry at those people because if i wanted to i could do all the same things i could i could kind of well, I could, if I wanted, I guess, try and write um, a, a more popular or a more sellable um, uh, book, for example. I just choose not to because it's not my, it's well, not exactly. my thing. I mean, you could, if if it's if it's that easy and quick to knock them off, to knock one of those out, we could be doing that, you know, and just saying, okay, we'll do that. Use a different pen name, and then, and then. Um, just bring in loads of money there and then I can write what I want afterwards. But it's really but, difficult. It's really difficult to do that. Uh, sorry, it's really difficult to to um, to not to not do that because most people don't do that. They don't just go, well, I'll just try that and write, write um, something that's likely to sell and be more popular. We don't do that. Instead, we feel like I've just described. You go, well, you know, effectively we, what we're saying is I think my serious literary work has more value than that. And why is that selling more? And that's mm. such a, it's 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 really easy to feel that way. I'm not saying that the listeners, person who's asked the listeners question feels that way. I am saying that I felt that way in the past. I'm saying that I don't really feel like that anymore. But it's really difficult not to feel like that when you can see someone having sort of runaway success with what with a novel that just isn't your thing. It just isn't your thing, and you feel like yours has got more literary merits. You know, of and course. I can I can I'm cringing saying it, but I just think that's. But, I mean, this is, how I feel. but this is we come from societies where there are McDonald's on every street and Starbucks on you know six on every street and small restaurants that make really good food struggle and the majority of them go under it's like that in so many different industries and that's just because that's what human beings are like that's what it's that's what it's like to try to make something or provide a service to the world we just got to suck it up and stop complaining. Well, we have. Uh, th- that's kind of how I've changed. I've just, I, I got, there was a, a very, a very short period where I got really angry about it because I was struggling to find a way of, I just str- struggled to see, struggled to see other authors who I considered inferior <laughs> <laughs> succeed. <laughs> stop it, that's, honestly. That, the tragedy is that's 60% true. <laughs> um, I, I know, it's, I, I, not even with my own books, but with books I like, I always think it's, you know, obviously you like what you like and you wish everybody else liked it and it's frustrating that not everybody does. But I don't think it's even about that. I think it's, I think it is, it's wrong. I mean, I, 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 I think I've already said this, but basically what I'm saying is feeling like that is not how 
a writer should feel. It is extremely unhealthy, and you're effectively wishing ill upon someone in one way or another, or you're envious of someone, or you're 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 comparing apples and oranges, and that's just the truth of it. There is it is comparing apples and oranges, and actually one is no better than the other. They're just entirely different, and mm-hmm. they're for different people, uh, different readers, and. And and that's fine, you know. It, it would be crazy if everyone wrote the same type of book, and it'd be even more crazy if everyone read the same type of book. But when you're in that kind of position, you're in that kind of hole yourself. You, you're envious as a writer. I think you just end up being envious of anyone who's successful because you desperately want you to be more successful yourself. Even if you are successful, I mean, I, my, my book sold well. Really, I'm, I'm not like it's. It's not even like it's sat with like. Having sold like a handful of copies, it's done well. It's just that I think as writers we naturally gravitate towards pessimism, um, and also we we just always see other people who seem to be doing better, and I think that's just been amplified by by uh, you know the rise of self publishing. Absolutely, I mean it's writers envy. So I had it this week actually, and not from because of somebody who I felt was. Um, less of a writer or anything like that someone who is a fantastic poet um, and I actually did the first writing workshop I ever took part in she was also taking part in it and her name is Jane Clark and she's just signed um, her first book deal with Blood Axe Books in the UK which is an amazing poetry publisher and um, and so well, I don't know whether Jane's listening she might be if you are congratulations Jane it's so exciting but, you know, I have to confess, when I read that, I was like, oh, God, that's lucky her. Lucky you, Jerry, lucky thing. But the, and, In and an also, envious way. And, and the, word, the word look is entirely appropriate because a lot of being a writer is to do with being in the right place at the right time, knowing the right person at the right point in your life. It's It's like any kind of... Uh, anything in life you just you, you have to have an element of luck I mean and I consider myself lucky to have you know had my book published for example and and one of the things that I've been trying to do over the last couple of years is to try and remove that kind of natural natural writer's pessimism and and really try and appreciate what I've got and enjoy the fact that 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 um, that you know that I am in the, the position I'm in, whatever it may be, and and we should all do the same. And I and it's um, it's, it's difficult to do because we are surrounded by it's it's a kind of success. It's, it's success. You know, everyone knows what's happening. The internet has made it where people are constantly tweeting about their book launches or. Uh, in some cases, there's sales figures, or, or you know, it's it's all around us. You know exactly how other people are doing with their careers, and inevitably, you end up sort of comparing it to yourself, and it's entirely backwards, and it's it, it gets you nowhere. And um, gets you nowhere, but I think we can say to sum up that it is very natural. It's extremely and natural. It's, it's something we just have to embrace and realise that that's part of our makeup as human beings and as writers. And I think, and I think, we, to to kind of hopefully round the entire thing off, the, the, what what we should all actually aim for is to try and have a career um, in in writing. If that's what you want to do, of course, you know, I'm saying everyone should do that. But rather than say, I want to, oh, I wish I could write a book that had sold a hundred thousand copies or that uh, I got a, I got a hundred thousand pound advance for. Rather than thinking like that, it's more. It has to be a case of 
what do I want to do over the next 15 years? Can I try and release four or five books? And then incrementally they sell more each time. Or, or can I do other things around my books, like, for example, using something like Kickstarter or Patreon or uh, some sort of subscription scheme? You know, can you can you build a career or doing events in schools or doing doing uh, conferences and getting paid for other things? That's how writers really make money. That's how writers with careers make money. Um and and that's what you kind of need to aim for, rather than thinking, "Hey, look, there's there's someone whose whose uh, book has done amazingly well. I wish that was me." It's, they're different things. Indeed, indeed. Oh well, do you know what? For not having, a, as you called it, a bulky topic, we um, we've already got to the end of our podcast this week. I think that is pretty much the end, and that's the end for um, well. We're not. We're on holiday. <laughs> Don't make it it's a doomsday thing. There's the end. Yes, we are. We are going to, on a jolly with um, a few other people, aren't we? And we are. Are we going to do any writing? Uh, well, I, yeah, I was planning to take my children, so probably not. <laughs> Stop it! Great. <laughs> I can really see that you've worked hard on that pessimism um, <laughs> thing. There. I'm at some point going to sit under an apple tree because I know there's a little apple tree in the garden. And I'm damn well going to write something. I am. I am. I do intend to. I'm going to try and persuade some other human beings to look after my human beings for just a couple of hours. And I am going to sit under that tree with you and try and uh, and try and. Have we got? Have we got a swimming pool? Get off! No. Have we got the sea? Of course, we've got the sea. Oh, I've been meaning to ask you about the road. I mentioned this on Twitter, and I was very alarmed by it. We're going to we're going to an island, aren't we? Yeah, an island that's got a road to it. But the island's got. I, I was on Google on Street View to try and you know just get my bearings. Yeah, you know, I've got the hire car and everything, and yeah. um, and I thought, oh, that's a, oh, I see, it's an island with a with a uh, what I thought was a bridge, and I thought, well, I'll just I'll just follow it on Street View. You know, you do click a few times, and then I clicked a few times, and I thought, I haven't quite reached land yet. I'm, I can't even see land. So I did like I did like I I clicked and dragged and turned around and I couldn't see land the other way. <laughs> so I'm in the middle of a road which is as far as I can tell a meter above sea level and and no sign of any land anywhere. And I I I I had to look it up it turns out that that's the top of a dam which could the, break at any time. Oh come off it it's a meter off the It's when a dam it is like an earth mound. So basically, it's like a long man-made island. Basically, they've tried to make the island into... Um, it's not even called a peninsula. Oh, what's it called? A peninsula? Is it a tombola? <laughs> like where you have an island that's joined by a spit to a, land. A, a, a tombola is a, is a raffle in a barrel. <laughs> Wait, I, 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 I now have to find this out while you tell everybody where the show notes are, Ian. You can find show notes for this episode at 5x5.tv slash WFYL slash 122. And you can find me if you want to get in touch to ask a listener's question, perhaps, or just to uh, have a chat um, on Twitter at Ian Broom, I-A-I-N-B-R-O-O-M-E. You can find Donna on Twitter at The Flying Poet. That's The Flying Poet. Or you can go to my website at ianbroom.com or Donna's website for that matter at Donna Sorensen. No, just sorensenpoetry.com. That's right. And can I just uh, finish by saying that I nailed that. It is called a tombolo. 
I did remember you? something from school. No, you you didn't say tombolo. You said tombola. No, I didn't. How dare you? Well, isn't it close enough? No. <laughs> so you can uh, look forward to driving over the onto the tombolo parading as an island, and um, I'm sure we'll have all sorts of stories to tell when we're back. Um, so have a nice summer, everyone. Indeed. Thanks, Ian. See ya.